Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hello, this is Diane Esterbrook, staff writer for McKnight's Home Care Daily. For many seniors with chronic conditions, getting medical care alone simply isn't enough. These patients often suffer from depression, malnutrition, and have a number of other problems that complicate their health. Recently, Michigan's Region 4 Agency on Aging launched a unique program that addresses all of these issues for seniors at home. I talked to CEO Christine Van Lanningham about the impetus behind the new Integrated Care at Home program. We were seeing for the um, more than 1,000 older adults and younger people with disabilities who who are either home-limited or home-bound, meaning they have Uh, aren't able to leave their home or they had challenged to leave their home. They were struggling to access primary care. And certainly if they didn't have a primary care physician, the long wait for um, getting an established primary care physician can be as long as eight months. And that's without any access challenges. So that was the the, uh, one primary impetus is just simply the lack of access to primary care for people with disabilities and older adults with access challenges. The second piece was a recognition that um, access to behavioral health care services in the community in general is a challenge. Um, Then again, if you if you layer on the access challenges, if you can't get to a provider, certainly getting care, uh, behavioral health services and the care in the home, it's almost non-existent. Same with uh, nutrition therapy services. If we can um, address the nutritional needs of older adults and people with disabilities and then bring those three things together, having an integrated care team where you really bring the providers not just in the home, but you do that in an integrated fashion where your primary care, your behavioral health um, care specialist and your nutrition specialist and others are part of one team and functioning as same, then you don't don't have some of the gaps in terms of the um, lack of coordination of care that results often in unnecessary hospitalizations and missed opportunities to improve health. And I thought it was interesting, you, you mentioned the behavioral health component and nutrition, things like that. How do those play off of other issues with senior citizens with their primary, with their health, their medical health? Obviously, there's, it's a, there's a link between right behavioral health and physical health, as well as nutrition. As well correct. as nutrition, correct. As we uh, did some community health needs assessment, we recognized, we discovered that um, more than 50% of the individuals that we serve in their home, and the majority of them are people who need nursing home level of care but want to live at home, more than 50% of them had some sort of behavioral health need, whether it was um, depression, anxiety, um, or, or even more significant, you know, those are significant in and of themselves, whether those were the two primary diagnoses, and they didn't have access to care. So when you're trying to manage a chronic disease from the physical health side, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, social isolation, the addressing your physical health needs are is more is more challenging. So that's the interplay there. If we can address the behavioral health and mental health wellness needs of participants, then they are um, able to better participate in and um, follow and uh, contribute to a health and wellness plan on the physical side which obviously feeds into the nutrition side. We really are what we eat. (laughs) And with the right nutrition plan, we can even reduce 
um, reliance on pharmaceuticals, on, on medications, or at least enhance um, the impact of. So you launched this program last year, but you've just started to sign up the seniors and get providers in. Where Can you kind of give us an idea where you stand, where things stand at this point? Certainly. So we have been providing the uh, medical nutrition therapy through a dietitian uh, for, for some time and continue to, uh, that um, program is increasing and we're currently hiring for a direct uh, um, registered dietitian to increase the access to that. We have, um, we have a, a full-time behavioral health counselor now who is building her caseload and we're getting more referrals than uh, she can bring on in a, in a rapid fashion. So we're actually adding to our behavioral health counseling staff as well. We have a medical director that we share with a AAA in Muskegon who launched this program ahead of us and um, are hiring right now for an advanced practice practitioner, a nurse practitioner, to actually bring now the physical health in the home. What are some of the challenges that you face? Because I looked at the map and it looks like you're in a fairly rural area. What are the challenges that you face from both you know, the provider perspective and from the patient perspective? Yeah, uh, geography and, and um, the provider network. So as we have, you know, as you think about the reimbursement methodology, these are services that are paid for primarily by Medicare. Um, Medicare does not pay for travel time. So as we have a behavioral health counselor, perhaps who's uh, stationed in Cass County, but has um, patients in in Berrien County. Just that travel time is is a really key component. So making sure that we have staff who are embedded in community. So for uh, participants who live in Cass County and rural Cass County, that we have a behavioral health counselor right now who lives in that community. So as she goes into the homes, she's able to one maximize her time, but two. She's a member of that community. So connecting people to community resources that augment um, social connectivity and certainly in terms of health services, um, our, our staff members are members of the community. They're not providing, while telehealth is an opportunity in this service, these are not telehealth services provided by someone in California or Detroit or Lansing. These are members clinicians, social care clinicians, and physical uh, care clinicians who are members of the community. They live in the same places as our patients. So when they go into the home, they're certainly well aware of what's available in the community and um, can speak the native language, as it were, in terms of the geography. And that's a real value add um, in terms of impact for the patients we see. That's interesting because I was going to ask you, was there a virtual component to that? And it sounds like you really want to have people in the homes because you want to have eyes on those patients. Yes, we want to have eyes uh, on those patients and develop those relationships. And you can't tell with a virtual visit that there's a hole in the living room floor and they might fall through that hole. So really having, and that's a real example of um, one of our patients and, and you know, what a fall risk and a health risk if people are living in conditions that, that need some repair. Um, so we make sure that we assess the home environment and bring that expertise. And then yes, there's some virtual visit opportunities and remote patient monitoring so that we can monitor blood pressures, et cetera, on a more frequent basis than having a nurse come into the home. But there is that as well. You can't, de- you can't um, 
overemphasize the value of having clinicians in the home. You received some funding from the state in the form of a grant to launch this program. So um, are you optimistic that that funding is going to continue for a few years at least? So we did receive funding from the Michigan Health Endowment Fund to launch this program, as well as some of our local community foundations. And we have uh, funding to launch this and and, uh, sustain it over um, a two-year period while we build a caseload that uh, allows us to sustain the program with Medicare billable codes. So it is not something that's one of the beauties of this project is this is not something while it's the launch is grant funded, it's not something that's grant dependent in order for us to be able to provide this. So we needed the grant funds to um, stand up the infrastructure, develop the IT platform, uh, the electronic medical record to be able to communicate with our providers and our patients. But also we have a pro forma that that shows what billable codes will support this with what level of patients so that we can sustain this going forward without relying on grant funds. And that's really the right model um, to stand up a service for older adults and people with disabilities that is grant dependent. While as wonderful as that is, when grant dollars go, the service often goes away. And that's not a kindness to our community to say, here's a service. And as long as we have grant dollars, by golly, we'll provide it. But really we wanna work to have um, whatever we develop have sustainable funding streams so that this is an impact in our community for years and in fact, decades to come. The Biden administration um, announced last week that um, when he when the president rolled out his budget that he's earmarked 150 billion for home and community based services. He's also called for significant increases in Older Americans Act services. Um, how might those proposals help, if at all, programs like you've launched? So they're. Um closely related. We're very excited about the $150 billion investment in Medicaid home and community-based services. When I talk about the um, 800 individuals that we're currently serving who need nursing home level of care, we're providing that care in their own home and community as opposed to institutional setting. And as a nation, if you think about that, one, that's where people want to live. And two, it's the most cost-effective setting. It's uh, less than half the cost of nursing home care. So for these individuals for who we're now launching primary care at home and behavioral health counseling services at home, these individuals who receive their long-term supports and services in the home were able to layer on the primary care, the clinical care, and really do some remarkable things uh, to have whole person care and indeed drive down costs, both medical costs as well as long-term care costs to serve people in the setting of their choice. So we're extremely interested in that. Michigan lags behind the rest of the nation in terms of percent of home and community-based care um, provided in the home, as I'm sorry, long-term care provided in the home as opposed to uh, nursing homes or other institutional settings. So we're, we're encouraged by this investment and are hopeful and are working with the state to um, uh, rebalance or rather emphasize home and community-based care over un- unnecessary institutional settings. With the um, HCBS funding that um, the Biden administration mentioned, one of the things that they, they focused on is the direct care industry and getting those workers. How difficult is it in your area to recruit people like that? Is it tough because of the wages tend to be low? 
Yeah, it is. It's tough all over uh, for a couple of reasons. And the wages do tend to be low. And the reimbursement methodology in terms of uh, what what vendors are paid for home and community based direct care workers is is too low. Um, and so the resources at the state and federal level to and the efforts to increase direct care workers is key. Um, last year, uh, the state of Michigan allocated additional opportunities for home and community-based care, but we couldn't recruit the direct care workers. So it doesn't matter how much we emphasize home and community-based care if we can't recruit and adequately pay direct care workers. So it is um, it is important to increase the wages. It is important to um, to shore up the training, to allow um, direct care workers to have the right training to provide the kind of care that they want and that want to provide and seniors need, and also to lift up this profession as a worthy and noble profession. When we talk about it in our region, when we talk about this workforce, direct care workers, we don't talk about it as a direct care worker, but a direct care professional, because these are professionals providing critical care to older adults and people with disabilities in their own homes. So it's professionalizing the workforce, it's providing adequate wages, and really doing a campaign to um, adequately train and support them in their work. Are you encouraged that this legislation might make it to the president's desk, hopefully by the end of the year? Because we saw support for, you know, Choose Home a year or so ago, a year or two ago, and then it stalled. Do you think there's momentum this time to get it over the finish line? Well, one of the things that is encouraging is this issue is one that uh, is enjoys bipartisan support. So when we think about um, access to home and community-based care versus institutional care, whether I'm talking to a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, this resonates with folks. Um, people want to live independently and their members of family and friends also want to do so. I will say, um, as we think about this congressional climate, um, getting anything across, any budget deal across the line is going to be uh, quite an effort and to the president's desk. But this is one that does enjoy bipartisan support. So ever the optimist, yes, I think when people drill down and understand the issue, again, it's the right moral, -ish, moral uh, strategy to provide care where people want, and it's the right fiscal strategy. So I'm encouraged. So, Christine, I understand you're still building out this program, um, but as you build it along, uh, you mentioned having you know, primary care in the home, behavioral health, um, nutrition. Are you looking at adding any other programs or any other services along the line, like maybe a handyman program or transportation or something like that? So it's an excellent question. What we are doing with this project is um, filling gaps and not replicating or duplicating. So this, these, because this is embedded in an area agency on aging, our integrated care at home team is, um, part of the integrated team is the wide array of Older Americans Act services that taps into um, chore, caregiver respite, home repair, home modifications, uh, nutrition in terms of home delivered meals. So it layers on a primary care component to all those Older Americans Act services that you referenced the president's budget also um, indicated some um, increases for which are which are vital. So we are from the get-go tapping patients, connecting patients to those resources um, as their barriers are identified. 
as our integrated care at home clinicians go into the home, they do have a conversation with folks to identify what are your barriers to improved health. And very rarely are the first things they talk about healthcare related. Most of them are social needs, health related social needs. And so we connect folks, we bring in the services to meet those needs, then we can start working on the clinical side. So we're already bringing all those resources to the table. So it's early on, but do you have any success stories so far with any of your clients? We do. I have a success story from um, an early behavioral health uh, counseling client who um, she her 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 husband has dementia and um, is has been recently placed in a care facility. She cared for him as, at home with support as long as she felt comfortable, and he's in a really good quality nursing facility. But now she's isolated and uh, depressed and anxious. So we brought um, behavioral health counseling services to her. One of her stress points was she's very low income. So she doesn't even have the gas money to visit her husband. So not only is our counselor helping her work through guilt and grief and her own anxiety issues, we brought the transportation resources to her from the Older Americans Act and pay transportation so she can go visit her husband. So her quality of life has increased. Her um, physical health is increased as she's able to address her own issues and focus on her own um, um goals right now. And her quote is, I feel like it's my time. I can discover who I am and how I can be healthy at this stage of my life. And what a remarkable statement that is. That's great. Christine Van Landingham, good luck with your program. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Diane. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com. Home